0: Fish Talk Radio. This is John Handigan in studio, and we're going to start off with Eddie D'Ammio, who is, uh, I'm not sure the Van Wormers would um, would appreciate this, but realistically, he runs the place. at uh, Van, Wormer, <laughs> Van Wormer Resorts, the Palmas de Cortez, and the Playa del Sol, in uh, East Cape, Los Paredes, and... Uh, just north of the airport in uh, Baja Sur, and what a beautiful, beautiful place! Let's uh, let's take. I know we've done this before, Andy, but let's just take a minute or so. Give, tell us a bit about the place and some of the history of the resort and the Van Warmer family.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and first, let me thank thank you, John, for having me on. Um, yeah, you know uh, the the resorts are located in the East Cape of Baja California sewer. We're just an hour north of the San Jose del Cabo airport. So when you land at the airport from Los Angeles, a quick two hour flight, you land at the airport. We pick you up there at the airport in San Jose, one hour north instead of going south to Cabo San Lucas. You come north towards La Paz, mm-hmm. and then you're, you're about an hour from the airport. Uh, you're in East Cape in the town of Los Barillas, and um, the, the and Warmer family, they own two hotels there, the Hotel Palmas de Cortez and the Playa del Sol. The two hotels are about maybe 300 yards from each other, um, but very distinct different places. Um, the Palmas de Cortez is more of our flagship resort with the pool, the swimmer bar, the day spa, the fancy restaurant on the beach, you know, so it really caters to those seeking the resort kind of hotel. Um, the Playa del Sol is a little bit smaller. Um, it's about half, half as many rooms, so it's a little bit quieter. It's more quaint, more of a boutique hotel. They just went, this year, they, they just went um, under major uh, renovations at Playa del Sol. They built a brand new snack bar downstairs. Uh, from the dining room, um, which is beautiful. they got a whole cappuccino coffee bar. They're doing pastries. They're doing uh, burgers and tacos and all that kind of stuff. Plus, they did a lot of renovating to the buildings, to the rooms inside. So the place has never looked better. Stand. Um but still but still having that little quaint little feel to it, so it's a little bit quieter. And it really appeals to those who just want to get away and not be bombarded with a bunch of tourists and all that, so they kind of go to Playa del Sol. Um, and then we have a fleet of 40 fishing boats, which is a combination of super pongas and cruisers, uh, which f- uh, furnish both hotels. So guests can come, stay with us. And in the morning, they have breakfast. They walk out to the, the dock in the morning. The boats pick you up between 6.30 and 7.00 and you go on a private charter, just the people that you go with, with a captain and deckhand. You go fishing for eight hours, and then when your fishing day is over, you come right back to the dock, and uh, you're right there at the hotel, and then you can hit the the pool bar and uh, talk about your day of fishing. And and if you're lucky enough to catch some tuna or dorado, then they can prepare that for you at the snack bar, and you can have some ceviche or sashimi or or have it for dinner that evening.
0: Well, uh, yeah, all that is true. (laughs) All that is true. I can attest to that. Yet. And yeah. by the way, uh, if anybody goes down there <laughs> they go to the bar and ask them for John's special margarita.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, the uh, the bartenders there at, uh, at the hotels, they know how to prepare a mean margarita. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have commented on, on that. so mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you've been a victim of, of once or twice.
0: Well, there's uh, the special one where you put a touch of Grand Marnier in it.
1: Oh, um, very that's, nice. That's
0: what makes it really special. It's been it's yeah. just just tastes good, but sure, the, sure. the history a little bit about uh, the Van Warmer family and it's you know it was started in what the early seventies.
1: No, actually, we go back all the way to the early fifties. If you go back to when you know um, Bob Van Warmer, who was yeah. one of the pioneers down there, uh, his wife Chacha. Um, her maiden name would be Chacha Ruiz her brother Tico which is who the restaurant is named after Tico Ruiz, he was the one who started Palmas de Cortez back in the early 50's and it was only six little uh, cabanas it was the first six cabanas that are still there Um, and when when Tico passed away um, then Chacha kind of took it over and she was married to Bob at the time so they kind of ran that hotel and they stayed in cabana number one and they would rent the other five cabanas, they had a couple boats that people People would go out fishing. Then they would they would prepare them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Because uh, back in those days, there was nothing there in town at all. So everything was done right there, and uh, and that's how that started. And then um, eventually, uh, a few years later, in the in the in the mid '60s, they purchased the uh, property uh, in La Rivera where they built Punta uh, Colorado. Uh, uh, yeah and then that's where the boy, they built their first house and the boys, the Chucky, Bobby and Eddie, uh, they were kind of raised there, uh, at Puta Colorado, uh, for the, for the early years. And then, so they ran Puta Colorado and they had Palmas de Cortez. And then, you know, Bob, once he got his hands at Palmas de Cortez, he started making that bigger, uh, and better, you know, he built the two story building and they started adding rooms. And then, um, in the mid, uh, eighties, they purchased what was Playa Hermosa and they turned it into Playa del Sol. Um, that uh, hotel happened to be about three hundred yards down the beach from Palmas de Cortez, so yeah. it was a natural for them, and they wanted to kind of expand right. and uh, have another little boutique hotel, so they purchased that one. So that's kind of a little history
2: of. Well, how, my
0: uh, the my understand it uh, Chacha's family, they at one time they owned like five miles of the beach of the Palmas, uh, the uh, Bay of the Palms.
1: Yeah, you know they own a well. They used to. Um, they've sold it off uh, bits, mm-hmm. by, bits, bits and pieces. You know, people who have wanted to buy right. you know ocean, oceanfront property. But they still do own the largest stretch of privately owned beach down there, which is about two kilometers. Which is the, where Puerto Colorado sits today.
0: Oh well. Yeah. The other interesting thing is something you didn't mention. You talked about Cha Cha being down there since the fifties. Um, who is your Who is your boss, Eddie? My boss, the gotcha. Old, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how old she is, but she's timeless. Oh yeah, no, I'll well, te- she was I'll born, tell you she was what, born yeah. in
1: the area, so she's been there all her life. And yeah. uh, Cha Cha is one of these people. Um, you know, she's she's got to be probably in her mid seventies, somewhere around there. Yeah, and she's I, still I think if you
0: do the arithmetic, it's probably more like mid nineties, but you'd never guess it.
1: No, <laughs> no, no, no. She's she's probably getting close to. She's probably either uh, early eighties uh, yeah. is what I would put her at. Yeah. Because I know that she had a good uh, a good gap on Bob, but oh, I see. but uh, but she's still just as active today as she was back then. She's oh, very yeah. much involved with all the day to day operations. Yeah. And, well, uh, you know, like
0: I things. said, I was kind of joking, saying that you rent a place, which is pretty much true, uh, as far as you know, doing the bookings and and you know doing all the planning. It's and stuff, but you know, she, you know, she's got the purse strings. And, oh yeah! When I'm that, down there, you yeah. know,
1: I I I go into her office um, at least once a day, check in with her. Um, she's the one, you know, if I need something done, or if you know a group's coming in and they say, hey, we need this done, I go to her and she makes it happen. She's the one yeah. who pulls the strings there on site. So yeah. she's still very much active in in, in the day to day operations. Yeah, it's still,
0: it's still a family run operation.
1: Oh, by, oh, yeah, that's 100 percent. Chucky, for sure. I
0: remember the last time I saw him, but he was he's supposed to be in charge of the the place, but he's usually off uh, politicking or flying his plane or fishing or f- tournament fishing or whatever it is. But he's he's yeah. a, he's a great guy. He's a great
1: yeah. Guy. You know, yeah. Bobby has been around more so uh, the last few years on the day to day operations and mm-hmm. kind of taking over, looking after the place um, as far as you know when the family um, is mm-hmm. concerned. Um, you know, Chucky is the uh, you know. He's the lucky fisherman. Every time he he enters the tournament in (laughs) Cabo or in the East Cape, he seems to pull out a victory. The latest one was –
0: Yeah, I remember that.
1: Late 2016, he won the tuna jackpot, and I think he took home over 100 grand at, yeah. at, for that one. So, yeah. you know, the rich get richer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, fortunately, because uh, we're going to be able to uh, keep you on for two segments, so that must mean you're very important. Because, you know, <laughs> Thank with, you I what we're that. having. We haven't had you on for a while, and, and what we're talking about is is so important. We want to do that, and we're going to be talking about some tournaments that the uh, Palmas has been you know, one they've been putting on for a long time and you apparently got a new one coming up. And yeah these tournaments, uh, gosh, in the the you know, like the Bisbee, you know, a team just without getting in all the side pots and stuff, you're locking took and you know, with you know, maybe twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the tournaments that you have put together, you'd be hard-pressed to spend that kind of money. But the prizes are incredible. Um, you get a 50000 and and uh, for a $500 buy-in. So, anyway, we're going to talk about that when we get back. So, you, okay. are, you are listening to Fish Talk Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com and listen to this show as many times as you want. And, of course, get in touch with Eddie and let's get on down to Baja. Be right back. You got me. i
3: Did you know there's a lake in Northern California that's called the Monster Lake? It's home to some monster-sized largemouth bass and trout because they grow in this giant 10-mile lake. It'll take you 30 minutes to go from one side of the lake to the other. And it has camping, cottages, RV sites, hiking, boating, kayaking, and even horse camping. Tell them John Hennigan sent you, and they'll even give you a special gift on California parks. LakeComancheResort.com That's LakeComancheResort.com
4: soul just me and my cameraman Joe and with a little bit
0: of luck, I'll welcome back to fish Talk radio. This is John Hennigan in the studio, and we have Eddie Dalow, who I introduced is uh, well, we admitted that chacha who 's been there for fifty some years or sixty or seventy, whatever it is because she was born <coughs> there, yeah that still you know still keeps uh, she 's there every day. And uh, Eddie still has to answer to her. And, uh, you know, what she wants is what she gets. And obviously she knows what she's doing to be able to build, you know, what the Van Warmers have built down there. For sure. Um, that's, uh, you know, to kind of describe the area, Eddie, it's uh, the Bay of the Palms. You've got this beautiful, long, sandy beach. Now, technically, I guess there's still, you're not supposed to have ATVs on the beach, but it's a very popular thing to run up and down the beach and do some surf fishing, or if you want to take those ATVs and do some exploring, there's plenty of stuff to do down there. And as I said, when you mentioned earlier, when they first opened, was it in the 50s? Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh there really wasn't anything there. Well it's still a small quaint town. There's no no one trying to sell you timeshares, there's no graffiti. You know, there's no one trying to sell you these fake Mexican cigars when you walk down the street and pestering you. It's just right. a really neat, little, laid-back Mexican town. They've got, uh, you know, a couple of, well, more than a couple, I guess, of, of good restaurants. There's plenty of things to do and relax. And you can even take the ATVs. Or you can just hang out at the pool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. When, I, when I'm at the trade shows, a lot of times people ask me to describe the town. And I tell them, you know, if, you know compared to Cabo and La Paz, we're kind of like the— Mayberry, of yeah.
2: California, <laughs> yeah. you
1: know, the small yeah. little town with the one sheriff and yeah. uh, no, no, you know, no, the biggest crime that we have is jaywalking. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. it's uh, it, that's kind of how I describe it. You know, and, yeah. and that's and that's the appeal. That's why we have so many Americans and Canadians who yeah. live down there, um, either full time or yeah, uh, you're getting, uh, part-time. yeah, you're like, getting sober. quite
0: a population of uh, absolutely. Uh, you know.
1: Every time I go out to dinner uh one of the restaurants in town I'm just amazed at how many um you know uh, Americans and Canadians have made that Los Barillas their home and the, you know the appeal is that you're living in a small town um and but yet you're still within an hour hour and a half from the big city where you can go to Costco, Home Depot, get your things and then come back to Los Barrillas mm-hmm. and enjoy that little small town uh, yeah, you know either, town.
0: Yeah, either La Paz or Cabo
1: exactly exactly mm-hmm. from either direction so mm-hmm. you know no matter what you can get to those towns and mm-hmm. you know there's so much to do now things have changed there so much I don't know if you remember John when they first opened they had a little runway right out in front of Beach Cortez yeah, and yeah. that was the way you got there you know you flew in a little it's tiny a small you know, a little private Cessna, plane, yeah. yeah and you landed there on the on the strip and you know now they've kind of t- turned that into a golf course mm-hmm. and a driving range and now we have kayaking and we have paddle boarding and we have in the wintertime it's big windsurfing destination because mm-hmm. the winds kick up and they're pretty steady so we get a lot of kiteboarding and windsurfing you know we do zip lining um, you know we have the a, a full time wedding coordinator down there where you can have your wedding down there and it's very inexpensive compared to Cabo and La Paz prices so it's just it's, it's very appealing to a lot of people who just don't want they're you know they're kind of done with the big city the yeah. big tourist trap of Cabo or La Paz and they want to get away from that and they want to come to a Mayberry type of thing yeah. uh, but then you know Cabo and La Paz still have their their fans yeah. because well, I mean, no, they're yeah, the
0: people that you know, want Los that. does have some nightlife, but it's not built around that.
1: Exactly. If you're mm-hmm. looking for spring break type of, of a location, you definitely want to go to Cabo. It's not really built for that. Uh, you know, our town goes to sleep pretty early because everyone, it's a fishing town, so everyone's yeah. getting up early to go fishing.
0: Well, speaking of fishing, uh, a couple of things. First of all, we want to go over the tournaments, but East Cape, you know, this, um, in Baja there are certain places that uh, tend to have certain species more in abundance than others. Now, Cabo San Lucas is known as you know, the marlin capital. I think there's more striped marlin cotton and released in and around Cabo than any place in the world course they've got 350 boats going out every day but uh, but uh, you know i think that you still got more boats in your fleet than the mexican navy but (laughs) but, uh, and then golden gate you know it's usually pretty good for wahoo and you know different things And the cabo you go straight south and there's some tuna or you go up north you know the arches there's different things and the uh uh, the los Periles. It's got well. It's, it's got a lot of different things, and depending on how far you want to run. Yeah,
1: I mean, that, well, that's kind of what yeah. we're known for. You know, we're known for the variety of species. Mm-hmm. Everyone that talks about East Cape always says go to East Cape because if one thing's not biting, something else will be. Yeah. You know, you can get striped marlin, you can get blue marlin. You well, can get I've, I've actually
0: I've, I've actually sat in the restaurant for breakfast uh, at that. What, what, what's the name of the one that's look, looking? Well, we're looking the water as a goes and,
1: and the baby. Yeah. yeah, we have two. Yeah.
0: And uh you know, there's, there's two and a half a mile offshore.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, recently, this month actually, they've been catching uh, tuna, uh, football size tuna. But they're you know they were right out in front of the hotel. The yeah. tuna were running. You know, um, Wahoo fishing has just been phenomenal yeah. the last few years. Um, you know, Dorado dur- fishing is what's gone down, but that's always been our bread and butter. But mm-hmm. the last couple of years, it's been tough. Um, we did see this month some big ones. Some uh, one of our captains yeah. caught a couple of thirty pounders. Um, so hopefully, that's a good sign of things to come.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of Wahoo and Dorado, we're gonna have to talk about that, but. From what I understand, uh, the sardinas and the bait has been kind of overfished commercially, and you know that's you know that's what brings the dorado. But uh, you know there's there's still plenty of them out there.
1: That's oh yeah, no, no for sure. That. You know the so, downside that's been the last couple of years is that we haven't seen very many dorado, but we have had the best. In 20 years, wahoo, wahoo? and yeah. blue marlin has just yeah, been not, incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah wahoo. Problem. Now, wahoo, to me, is a fish that you catch by accident. I mean, yes, you can target them, but the other ones I've ever caught, I go, holy shit. <laughs> what's
1: this?" Yeah. You know, last year was an exception, though, because last yeah. year the captains knew where to go to get them. They would yeah. rig for them. Uh, the problem is you can't rig for them, because if you do rig for them, you're never going to catch them. Yeah, you know, of They'll pull out the steel leader and yeah. all that, and then they don't catch them. So you're right in that sense. You can yeah. kind of catch them as an incidental catch, and um, you know. Speaking of Wahoo, one of the tournaments that we did add this year was the uh, the Wahoo uh, Gold Cup tournament um, in at Palma State Cortez. So this and, uh,
0: okay, but this tournament has not been inaugurated yet. This is the first year.
1: This will be the first year, yeah, Mm -hmm. because the Wahoo fishing has been so good that we decided to, hey, let's do a Wahoo tournament Mm -hmm. and we got great sponsor support. And so we're going to get for a, it's going to cost $350 per team to enter the tournament and you can actually win a car, a Volkswagen Goal, and $15,000 in cash for that $350 entry fee. Wow. So it's going to be a great tournament. All the sponsors have really pitched in for this. They're really excited to see a Wahoo tournament this year, and it should be phenomenal.
0: I don't know of any of the Wahoo tournaments, but I know last year the Wahoo were just, were, they were thick.
1: Oh, and, a lot talk of about,
0: Talk about, well, Dorado, of course. They d- run up and they dance and they run, and they're a lot of fun. Uh, tuna are okay, but, you know, the bigger ones especially, they just kind of go down and swim around. But wahoo, man, that is it's one of the fastest fish in the ocean. I think they swim. Yeah, wahoo. they
1: hit hard, and they it's, scream, uh, and you're going to get me, a big seems, run.
0: Seems to me they reach like 60 miles an hour. But, yeah,
1: they are they're, they're fast fish, mm-hmm. the bullets of the sea.
0: Yeah, but they are just so much fun. If you get one of those on, you've probably got a pretty good idea. Yeah, you know, yeah. So well, we're
1: hoping that we have a good turnout this year. It's going to be on August twenty sixth, uh, okay. Saturday, August twenty sixth. The one day tournament. It's kind of the same format as the Dorado Shootout and the Tunis Shootout. Mm-hmm. So on, on August twenty sixth, the uh, the biggest Wahoo caught um, will win uh, the Volkswagen Goal and will also win uh, approximately fifteen thousand dollars in cash. And that's based on having a, a minimum of fifty teams, which we should mm-hmm. have no problem.
0: Wow. Well, the uh, now this is an East Cape tournament. It's not necessarily just the Bay of the Palms, but I, most all of the festivities are going to take place at uh, Palmas de Cortez. And Correct. You, and you do have still, if you get in, you can still get some rooms.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And we have a, on our website at Van Um you go under tournaments, you can see all our tournaments. Mm-hmm. They have entry, entry forms there that you can fill out, and uh, all the rules are posted and everything. And all you got to mm-hmm. do is just give us a call and, and reserve a, a room and a boat and mm-hmm. uh, fill and out the entry uh, form you're set.
0: that's similar to the Dorado where you take up to four people per, per team?
1: Exactly. It's almost the exact same format. The Dorado shootout, which is going to be on, uh, this year it's going to be July 15th. We're giving away a uh, Volkswagen uh, Amarok, which is a uh, diesel 4x4 pickup truck. So we've kind of stepped up the prize as well. We're going to do a diesel 4x4 um, this year. And Volkswagen is obviously our new sponsor for the tournament. I
0: I haven't done any arithmetic in my head, but I'm thinking that you could go down and fish, obviously without the airfare um, and some of the incidentals, but you could go down there, enter the tournament. Spend uh, three days fishing, maybe four, uh, because you don't want to just go down there for one day. And you're probably still under a $1,000.
1: Yeah, you know, you'd be close to, you know, per person, depending on how many people you you split yeah. the boat with. Let's say you went down there with four guys, uh, it would definitely be about $1,000 per person, mm-hmm. um, including the entry entry fee. And, you know, the Dorado shootout, that's a beast. You know, that one's probably the biggest tournament down there. That one you're looking at, you know, approximately 130 teams. That means 130 boats that go out yeah. fishing wow. that day for that tournament. Um, we're going to give away that beautiful uh, Volkswagen Amarok uh, truck. Um, and then the jackpots last year, to, they totaled close to a hundred thousand dollars in cash. Yeah. So okay. you know you can, if you enter across the board, it only costs you two thousand five hundred dollars, and you can walk away with a brand new truck and about a hundred thousand in cash. So it's not a bad day for, <laughs> no, for only a two thousand five hundred dollar no. entry,
0: right? And uh, you know, a lot of people are, are winning these tournaments with you know with not that big a fish. Well, no, the last uh, two anyway. years it's
1: been thirteen pounds. Yeah,
0: so. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, Eddie, we're going to have to get going, um, yeah. but real quickly, uh, you know this. It's not too early to get down there. I would go ahead and go down there and then go back down there. And to get in touch with you, it's Van Warmer Resorts. You can find that real easy. It's mostly Palma or Taz, but was it Van Warmer Re- Just Google Van Warmer Resorts.
1: Yeah, and vanwarmerresorts.com is our website.
0: And it's real easy. Eddie, thank you for taking all that time. I know how busy it is for you. really appreciate it.
1: No, John, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Okay, Eddie. Talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Okay. All right, all right bud. Okay, we're going to have to take a quick break, and we'll be right Right back with you on Fish Talk
1: Radio
2: Haggard Skin a little haggard. Yeah, come back. My
3: The fall and winter season is here and time for some fantastic fishing. The trout and bass are biting, a quick drive from the valleys below. We have some great boat rentals to choose from or bring your own. Visit LakeGregoryRecreation.com for information. LakeGregoryRecreation.com. That's LakeGregoryRecreation.com. 777 tuna
1: You get a line and I'll get a pole, honey. You get line and
5: I'll get a pole, babe. You get line and I'll get a pole. We'll go down to the Crowned and Hole,
0: honey, baby mine. Welcome back to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan, and we had a great time with Eddie at uh, down in East Cape. Just a tremendous fish reading, a lot of fun. And this is uh, well. We're, I guess we're getting into May, so you know the season's warming up, and uh, of course it's always nice. Actually, when you get into uh, you know August, September, it can be a little warm. So you know this you know this uh, time of the year, May, June, and into July, and then of course uh, October, November is is incredible fishing. But uh, get down down there. And we talked about the the derbies and the tournaments and how inexpensive and how easy it is. And you just fly into Los Cabos Airport, they got a van waiting for you to take you to the, to the lodge. It's great. Now we have with us, um, if not the, he certainly ranks near the top of, um, I don't know if I call him professional, semi-professional, but he's certainly an expert on kayaks. We have Paul Libowitz, and Paul, um, you've you've done a fair amount of things, but mostly in the last few years, you've been working with Hobie Cat, is that right?
2: Yeah, with Hobie. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, they've, I don't know if it's because of you, but, man, what was... <laughs> I had, uh, I got a condo in Cabo San Lucas, and years ago I took down a kayak, you know, from was it, you know, cheap one from West Marine, I don't know, two fifty, three hundred dollars or something. And so before I went out in the ocean, which is the bay, which is completely flat, I put it in the swimming pool, and I thought, well, I better try this out. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what. It was, it was like a seal trying to jump up on a buoy, you know, kind of trying to flop over the side, and then I'd flip over, and and, and I tried that for about five minutes, and I said screw this, so I put it away and never got it back out again. and I finally just just recently gave it to somebody that knows what they're doing, but that was that was then, and this is now.
2: Those big box boats uh, tend to be small. Inexpensive and tippy.
0: Uh, tippy, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, it's like trying to trying to write write a log or something. But but uh, um, but what I'm saying is that that was pretty normal for you know ten fifteen years ago as far as kayaks. I mean, people were using them and fishing with them, and they got a little bit bigger, a little more stable. But man, these platforms they have today. You know, it's a, it's, you know, it's like a, um, an RV. You know, you get. Oh you yeah. Know.
2: Yeah, they're 36 inches wide or even yeah. wider. Uh, the Hobie Mirage Drive pedal drive allows the boats to be so much bigger and still move around efficiently. Sure. The, they have everything that you could want on your fishing platform. In places to mount your electronics, comfortable seats, lots of hatches for storage, tackle management systems, I mean, you name it, these boats have it. Everything except for uh a gasoline motor.
0: Well yeah, but a lot of them are equipped with electric motors too.
2: Yes, you can be. For sure. yeah. yeah, you can be. Mm-hmm. And that's more and more common these days.
0: Mm-hmm. And so like i said it 's uh, you know there 's a lot of why don 't you tell me uh, there 's a lot of advantages on using uh, a kayak as opposed to a more traditional you know even a smaller boat with an outboard motor. Can you kind of delineate what, what some of those uh, advantages sure. are
2: sure well, the first one is they are the quietest, quietest boats on the water i 've had striped bass boiling and hitting the kayak they don't know you're there wildlife doesn't know you're there you can sneak up on everything Uh, secondly of course they don't cost nearly as much you've got really next to no maintenance requirement it's so easy to deal with just spray it off with your hose and you're done (laughs) yeah and, yeah. Well,
0: and the other thing is, is, is like, you know, you get to be uh, people like me, especially, you know, that are less agile than they used to be, uh, where you can actually get in and out of them.
2: Oh, yeah. Stability is the primary goal mm-hmm. in uh, modern fishing kayaks. mm mm-hmm.
0: And, and, again, you know, what we're talking about is, you know, kayaks, it's not like canoes, you know, you just paddle them down the river. And kayaks, are, you, know, you know, a lot of people just go for tours, and, you know, single person kayaks with a paddle, and you go cruising around, it's kind of like riding a bike in the ocean, you know, looking at the scenery and stuff. But you mentioned a fishing platform, which is really more what it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you take a look at, for instance, the Hobie Outback or the Hobie Pro Angler, they're really designed with... Sporting uses mm-hmm. in mind, well, fishing the, and hunting.
0: The other obvious thing is you don't have to be at a marina or even a boat launch. Now these p- bigger platforms that you're talking about, uh, they're not as portable that you don't kind of put it on top of your head and carry it down to the ocean. But I'm assuming that you know you've got kind of wheels or something where you can launch still launch from pretty much any beach.
2: Oh yeah, we. It's very common to use a wheeled cart to. Trolley your boat down to the beach. It's it's really simple. Uh, the carts plug right into the bottoms of the boats.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: and yeah, yeah. So you can do this single-handed without any problem. And how about
0: how about if you, even if you've only got uh, small breakers, you know, you still got to get past through over those before you get out a couple hundred yards, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's just part of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's serious. Tie like, it down. <laughs> most, most people launch on calm water. Yeah. Uh, they'll fish bass, or they'll fish a bay, they'll fish inshore, uh, they'll fish the Gulf Coast. Uh,
0: well, you know, you, cook, you, you just mentioned something. To me, uh, these f- fishing platforms that you're talking about, you know, I'm thinking more like inshore uh, ocean fishing. But uh, that's not necessarily all they're being used for right now, right?
2: No, it's actually just uh, a minority of people are using the boats to go out inshore in Southern California or even offshore in Florida or off Hawaii. It's because it's more adventurous. <laughs> it's not for everybody. Yeah. But they, the kayaks in those environments are deadly. In other words, deadly for the fish.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, you can uh, uh, sneak into a kelp patch and uh, the white sea bass have no idea that you're even there.
2: Exactly. It's a little different this year with so little emergent kelp, but you can still take your kayak and fish right over the submerged kelp right Mm in the weeds. Well, what
0: about, uh, you know, it sounds like something you use more in a lake. What about bass or trout fishing?
2: Yeah, they're just natural use for kayaks. We take these boats up to, for instance, uh, Alpine Lakes, uh, because they are so portable and you can go in over the shore, unlike with... uh, cabin cruiser right it's not Mm -hmm. suitable for such small water right and getting off the shore produces a lot more fish generally you can get where the other anglers can't go
0: yeah well you know i it seems to me that i figured out a long time ago that if you're in a boat and you're on the water let's say you're you know 75 yards from shore and you're looking around, and what you want to do is you always want to throw that as close to the lure as close to the shore as you can, hopefully under a tree. And you know, you get it like from five or ten feet from the shore. And you're just sure that's where the fish are. But when you're on the shore, you look out there and they go, Man, I got to throw it as far as I can because I know that's where the fish are.
2: <laughs> you got to know where the structure is. Yeah. Uh, that's the key. It's always greener on the other side of the fence, though,
0: yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, Especially if you're not catching, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, and th- some of the equipment that you're talking about we got just a couple of minutes, but uh, you mentioned some of it. Uh, give us a kind of a rough idea of range in pricing and how serious someone has to be, and also whether there's such thing as a two person uh, kayak
2: oh, yeah, there are tandems there are advantages to having two solo kayaks instead of one tandem because you can go where your heart takes you instead mm-hmm. of where your your, your yeah. partner takes you. Yeah. Um, they tend to cost about the same as two individual kayaks. Mm-hmm. These boats range from, on the very low end, uh, about $800 on up to about $3,000 for uh-huh. the top end with a pedal drive yeah. Um, which I can't emphasize enough the advantage of that it's just intuitive mm-hmm. just hop in and go it's and an yeah. keep your hands free for fishing
0: oh yeah yeah instead of moving a paddle around you just uh, pump up and down just like you're riding a bike
2: yeah you know, it mm-hmm. depends on what you want to do with your kayak if you just want to do some light touring some nature uh, viewing, you can get by with a more ex- inexpensive traditional paddle craft. Mm-hmm. But if you want to fish, you really should take a look at a yeah. paddle drive boat.
0: Yeah, and I know there's a lot of them out there. But you know, to give a plug for uh, um, you know the, the company that you work with, you know they've they've pretty much been the standard of the field on in innovation.
2: Yeah, Hobie. Hobie created the Mirage Drive mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Uh, it's an elegant system. I'd encourage people to go to hobie.com, okay. H-O-B-I-E.com.
0: All right. Well, with that, Paul, unfortunately we're out of time, but go to com, mention Paul Liebowitz, and uh, you get 50% off.
2: <laughs> I wish that were the case.
0: Okay, Have I, bet, a good day. I, I bet you don't even get fifty percent off. Okay, I don't. Okay, Paul, we appreciate that uh, update, and we'll, we'll keep posted on on the kayaks. You are listening to Fish Talk Radio. We'll be back with you momentarily. Thank you, Paul.